This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider. With me is John Green, Chief Commercial Officer at 91 in Cape Town. And John has recently delivered a speech at the Climate Finance Summit hosted in the City of London a couple of weeks ago. And the headline was Meaningful Action Urgently Needed to Clean Up the Supply Side Energy System. John, we've spoken about Matters Green on a number of occasions in the past, and your passion for the subject has always been palpable. And clearly, it's not diminished. What was the background to your speech? So, Lindsay, yes, I think the key sort of realization is that, you know, climate change and the need to do something about it is becoming a more and more urgent problem and a more and more urgent issue. And when one steps back and says, okay, what do we as humanity need to do about it? There's some very obvious actions, but those actions need finance, they need capital, they need government support in the form of policymaking. And I think the purpose of, uh, of the session hosted by the City of London was to begin to try and really galvanize those actions so that uh, the delivery of capital to support this process of decarbonization was energized. Yes, and that's the, one of the key points of the speech is that it's all very well saving the world, but unfortunately saving the world costs money. And you say that experts like the Climate Finance Leadership Initiative tell us that the financing required to clean up uh, the supply-side energy system over the next 30 years is anything between 100 and $150 trillion US dollars or $3.5 trillion a year. I can't even begin to comprehend those numbers. Where does that money come from during difficult times? It's got to be partnerships between the private sector and in the public sector, surely. So, Lindsay, I think that's that's the important uh, issue to debate and discuss. I mean, those kinds of numbers are enormous. When you begin to put some context around it, uh, and you just realise that, you know, the total value of all equity capital markets uh, in the world, as reported by Bloomberg at the end of 2019, you know, was close to 100 trillion dollars. So. This is not a, a small exercise. It's a very, very significant exercise. And, and if you think about solving that problem, you know, all pools of capital have to engage in, in how we uh, go about it. So you know, if it's the private sector pension pool of capital, globally, some will say that's $100 trillion, you know, that needs to engage actively. If it's the public sector pools of capital behind infrastructure investment. That needs to engage actively. Uh, if it's individuals, you know, the mutual fund, individual pools of capital uh, around the world, which you know, is estimated in the region of $60 trillion, each of us need to engage actively in how we contribute. And I think it's only if every piece of the puzzle really thinks about this problem and thinks about uh, what they, as their custodians of capital, you know, us in our individual capacities, we could custodians of our own capital, what we can do to help this transition. And, and the interesting thing, Lindsay, I think, and 
I'm sure you were going to pose that question. The yes. interesting thing is that, you know, you say, but then what about returns? Well, it's exactly what I was going to say now, and I'll interrupt you here because this was very impactful to me. You say, we must not underestimate our power to make an impact. In addition, and this is where the key point comes in from my point of view, the available investment opportunities are profound, and it's increasingly clear that we do not have to sacrifice returns to do the right thing. And maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe even more recent than that, uh, companies would say, we better do something with this particular project. We don't expect to make any money out of it. those days seem to have gone. Yeah, Lindsay, and I mean, obviously, that kind of position and that kind of proposition will be will be a point of eternal debate amongst uh, amongst the investing uh, the investing ecosystem. But there is there is no doubt that you know if you simply take companies out there who are well managed and investing behind solutions to this challenge, i.e., the challenge of decarbonisation. Those companies are seeing enormous, enormous growth in the demand for their products in the first instance. Uh, as a consequence of that, in you know their income and and profitability, and as a consequence of that, you know in their share prices and their val- and the value they deliver to their investors. And that's just a very simple example of where there is money, I think, uh, really good solid returns to be made. And, you know, I don't want to point to short-term returns, but one of our strategies uh, at 91 that focuses on investing behind companies that are supporting and delivering solutions to the process of decarbonization, you know, has outperformed companies that operating in the energy sector or, or, or the MSCI world in general by orders of magnitude over the last year and a half. So this is not in our minds about compromising returns. This is about interestingly recognizing that the process of decarbonization, and in many ways similar to the process of digitization, the process of decarbonization is an inevitable process that we as humanity are going to commit to. And that means, you know, enormous opportunity for companies, organizations, and assets that are linked to that. And so that's why I say very clearly, this is not about compromising return, which has been the eternal debate. I like your example that you put forward in in your piece, because examples really do sort of encapsulate a more academic story, if you like. And it's the Cape Town water story. Tell me why you put this in your piece. So Lindsay, I think, you know, in many situations, the question of climate change is debated and discussed in academic terms. And I really think that, you know, bringing a real example, a real lived experience, and and in fact, a real lived experience that was, you know, bordering on a very, very significant crisis. In fact, we were in a very, very significant crisis. Yes. I think helps bring, you know, everybody's minds to bear on the problem. And sharing that example uh, I think has achieved that for me in in many situations. We were in, we may often now forget about it, but here in Cape Town, we we experienced as a consequence of climate change a very very serious situation, and uh, it could have ended up you know much more dramatic in terms of impact than it did, and it didn't because you know each and every individual played their part, and I think that's the message for me from a small experience to this larger challenge. Everybody must play their part. 
And I think the thing is about this this story, I don't want to harp on it too much, but uh, those habits that were formed over the last, when was it, two years ago now, those habits of uh, lower water consumption have stayed with people because I have people coming to stay with me from Cape Town, for example, where, uh, to where I am at the moment in Europe, and they'll go for a shower or something. And then the, the, the shower's over after 30 seconds, whereas I'm in there, you know, for five minutes scrubbing away. But people learn and people do have a sense of responsibility. I think that's absolutely right, Lindsay. I mean, all of us, all of us recognise, I think, that there is a serious problem here. And I think we're really just trying to find ways to address it. And, and that's where our view as 91 is that in the investment debate around how you address climate change, too much of the discussion is about exclusion. And exclusion actually doesn't solve the problem. Positive solutions solve the problem. And so we are you know, really trying to find ways to direct capital to businesses and assets that are delivering positive solutions to this problem. And are there many, many companies that keep on popping up on you and your team's desks every day and you go out and look at I me? Mean, is there a universe of the companies that fit the criteria that, so you, you, that you favor? Absolutely, Lindsay. So our, our team that runs our global environment strategy you know, have, a, have a fairly simple way of, of looking at that universe of investments. And, and we have you know, a fairly well articulated but simple and clear way in which we assess these businesses and it it's it talks to carbon avoided so you know you're only contributing to decarbonization if you're avoiding carbon in in the delivery of your products or services and the concept of carbon avoided is taking more and more or getting more and more traction uh, in the world of investment and if we look across the universe of companies out there that are either delivering proactive solutions to the decarbonization question in renewable energy, in electrification, in resource efficiency. If we look at companies that are, are really moving the dial in terms of carbon avoided in the sectors that they're operating in, you know, we get to, you know, in a simple screen basis, we get to seven, 800 companies with a market cap of, you know, close on $7 trillion. So, so this is not a small opportunity set. It's a, it's a, it's a, growing and meaningful opportunity set. And, and, and that's why it needs capital to back it. Interestingly, if we look at that, you know, 6.7 trillion market cap of companies, only 30% of them appear in mainstream indices because these are companies that are developing. Yeah. These are companies that are creating and innovating, you know, new technology. These are companies that are growing. And so they don't, you know, if you're just investing in an index fund, you're not putting capital to work behind the solution for the most part. So, yes, we're very excited about the developments that we see as investors in equities behind businesses and organizations that are really in a very front-footed way addressing this challenge. You've always addressed this challenge. I mean, I can say this without fear of rebuttal, that you have been at the forefront at 91 of this type of movement. And you say for asset managers, the challenge will be to do more and better, not just 91, but also other asset managers. And there clearly is still a lot more to do. But are you sufficiently pleased with the progress that has been made since we last spoke maybe a year ago? You know, I'm quite concerned. And I think that 
was one of the reasons I was trying to make a, a really strong point in that session. I'm really concerned that uh, in the investment world, there's a heap of box ticking going on. You know, there's a heap of data providers who come and say, you know, th- this is the way you exclude bad companies. And actually what you need to support this kind of process is good old fundamental analysis. You need to understand what companies are doing to support this uh, decarbonization transition, and you need to put in a lot of work. And so I think in many cases over the last 20 years, the investment industry has tried to get ultra-efficient, use data sources in smart ways. And yes, that's okay. But I think in this instance, it's not. And and so my my sense is as a as an asset management industry, there's more to do in just really understanding how we can positively deploy capital behind businesses and assets that, that are supporting this decarbonization process. And it doesn't happen with a data screen. It doesn't happen with some kind of exclusion matrix using index data. It doesn't happen by investing in passive uh, investment products. It doesn't happen if you invest in a low-carbon index, because that's not really doing what we need to do, which is put capital behind the solutions, the opportunities that are going to address this problem. So I think I'm, I'd say, I think we've, as an industry, we're, we're making good progress, but, you know, there's a, there's a tendency to try and, you know, in simple ways, uh, solve this problem. This is not a simple problem to solve. No, it's not, but steps are being taken, which is good. And one sentence I will conclude this podcast with is the following. In the coming years and decades, the defining issue will be to mobilise finance for the challenge of climate change. In other words, recognise the challenge and get the money to face that challenge. John, thank you very much for your time. That's John Green, Chief Commercial Officer at 91 in Cape Town.